Well, it is a new year, and it's good to see you all this morning. Um, I'm just going to right up front say this. The sound of kids in church doesn't bother me at all. Um, I had someone ask me recently, doesn't, isn't it hard for you when there's kids in church? And I thought, you know, I, I love having kids in church. So kids, I'm glad you're here. Now, that's not an invitation. <laughs> but, but I think the sound of children in the house of the Lord brings honor and blessing to, to God's heart. And, uh, uh, you know, I've heard it it's said, um, actually, Pastor Greg Johnson, who started the J-12 uh, movement, he says this, that kids are a heritage, not a hassle. Children are a heritage, not a hassle. So we're glad to have our kids in the house with us today. Hey, before we jump into the message, I want to um, draw your attention to this. We'll have a slide up about this. It's called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. This is something that our Foursquare family uh, around the nation is doing, and in fact, around the world. Uh, we have a Foursquare Global Council who are leaders, men and women from around the world, who, uh, who take time to pray over our denomination and seek the Lord for direction and wisdom and, and what he wants to, to do uh, in our church uh, globally. And last year, they started this, uh, Leslie Kegel, who is the chairman of our global council board, he is the national leader uh, of Foursquare in Sri Lanka, and he is one of the leading prophetic voices uh, in our denomination, even beyond our denomination uh, in the evangelical church. Um, the Lord gave him a word last year about setting, up, setting aside the first 21 days of the year for prayer and fasting. And so our president of Foursquare here in the U.S., Glenn Burris, has extended that invitation to all of our Foursquare churches, not just to the pastors, but to the congregation, uh, to all of you. And so I want to invite you, starting today, uh, to take the next 21 days to fast and pray. Now, here's what I know. When I say the word fast, there are people who go, whoa, 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 whoa. 21 days without eating? No, that's, that's not what we're saying um, now, people do that, but we're not going to expect that of you like cold turkey like that. We're not going to just jump right into that. There's a, prayer, there's a prayer and fasting guide that you can actually download. I printed about 10 of these. They're available, available back on the hub, and you can grab one after service. Uh, the other way you can access this, you'll see in the bulletin, there's a link to a website. You can actually sign up to receive notifications each day. You'll get a daily email that will have the guide for that day. Um, you can download this as a PDF, or the final option is this. Uh, in the App Store, either in Google Play or the iTunes App Store, there is an app called Foursquare Prayer. And it's a, it's a great app that just recently got released that provides prayer updates for our denomination um, that, that actually extends beyond these 21 days. And so it's a great thing to have on your smartphone or your, your iPad um, but you can access this guide any of those ways. And uh, there's a little note in the front that just talks about what, uh, what the vision is behind it. And then each day, there's a scripture reading, there's a devotional thought, and then there's some um, prayer guidelines, some points of prayer. Uh, I want to invite you to embark on this journey with me for the next 21 days. Uh, here's what's so powerful about this, is that not just in our church, but really around the world, that we will be praying the same prayers as other brothers and sisters uh, in other nations, people that we won't meet this side of heaven. But there is power in prayer, amen? amen? And there is power 
in corporate prayer. So take a minute, check that out, either download the app or grab one of the prayer guides in the back, and then each Sunday uh, for the next, the next few weeks, we'll, I'll be providing some updates, uh, and I'll keep touching on that, so make use of that. Well, how many of you uh, have ever made a New Year's resolution? Anyone? Anyone ever made it? I've made, I can't remember how many New Year's resolutions I've made. Let me ask you this. How did it go? How did it go? Right? Sometimes, sometimes they work well and sometimes not so well, right? Can I get an amen? Right? Who's been losing the same 10 pounds for like 15 years? Right? Um, sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And, and now, don't hear me wrong. Goal setting is great. Setting goals is, is really important for us, uh, especially at the beginning of a new year, looking ahead and saying, okay, what are some things that I want to accomplish? Goal setting is great, but there's something that is way more important, way more important, and here's what it is, hearing and obeying the voice of God. Hearing and, and obeying the voice of God is more important than any resolution or goal you will ever set in your life. See, because I know in my life, I've set so many goals and made so many resolutions that, that God was not a part of at all. I never asked him what he thought, what he wanted, how he wanted to direct my life. I just kind of looked at my life and said, here's what I think I should do. And I started doing it only to find out it wasn't the right thing. I ended up at Bible college here in San Dimas uh, just over 20 years ago. And it kind of happened by accident. People, you know, will talk to Bible college students and pastors and say, well, where did you receive your call to the ministry? And some of them will say, I was nine years old and I went to a kid's camp or I was in junior high or I had this mountaintop experience. The reality for me is I ended up at Bible college before I received a call to ministry. I kind of ended up here by accident. I was, I was in a place where I was making decisions for my own life and, and by the grace of God, he kept interrupting me. You ever been interrupted? Right? It kind of irritates you, right? God was interrupting me, and I was really annoyed. I decided I was going to go to school in Arizona, and I kind of chosen my life path and the direction I was going to go. And I'm like, this is, this is who I'm going to be, and this is what it's going to look like. Um, but I never stopped and said, God, what do you want for my life? And so every plan that I made, the doors closed, and I applied at a college that uh, after months of preparing and, and just a few weeks away from actually getting in my car and driving to Arizona, they called me and said, hey, we just want to figure out why, you know, find out why you withdrew your, your registration. I didn't. I didn't. What are you talking about? I'm going to be there in two weeks. Oh, no, we just switched to a new computer system, and this is back in the 90s, so computer systems were not what they are today. Oh, we just switched to a new computer system. It just must be a glitch in the, in the, the system. Well, that happened twice, and then they sent me my deposit back. At that point, I'm going, okay, maybe God doesn't want me to go to Arizona, but I, I, I didn't want to stay where I was, and a friend of mine said, hey, I'm going to Bible college. You should go with me, and uh, at that point, my heart wasn't really committed to serving the Lord. I'd served God my whole life, and I was just kind of tired and disillusioned. And I thought, no, I'm going to go try to do something different. And God wouldn't let me. And I thought, well, maybe Bible college will answer some of the questions. And so I applied, was accepted, and two weeks later, got in my car and drove to California. 
And it was only when I got here to San Dimas and I stepped on the campus at Life Pacific College back then, Life Bible College, um, that the Lord spoke to me. He said, this is what I've set, that, that what I've called you to, what I've set, set you apart for. And here's what's pretty amazing. I can take you to the spot on that campus, huh, in the driveway where God spoke to me. But it took a while for me to hear his voice. I could have circumvented so many difficult situations and circumstances if I'd started out saying this, God, what do you want for my life? What are you calling me to? I think it's important that our kids are in here today. I'm going to share a story in just a little while out of scripture. And kids, you guys are going to love it. Because here's what I know about God. Is he speaks to kids just as much as he does to adults, if not more. It's not that God's not speaking as much, but I think kids just listen better. Right? How many adults in here ever feel distracted? Yeah. Okay, now just raise your hand. We're all distracted at times. We get distracted by all kinds of stuff, good and bad. And, and we're living in a world that is filled with more and more and more distraction, right? The big thing right now is don't text while you're driving. Why? Because distracted driving is not safe. It's really, really dangerous. See, the question for us is how do we remove the distractions so that we don't ask questions like, what do I want to achieve this year? We want to remove the distractions so I can say, ask questions like this. What is God calling me to this year? So we're going to start this year with a new series, and it's, only just, it's going to go for just a few weeks. But I, I've entitled this series, Calibrate. Calibrate. I was thinking about this word, uh, calibrate. Today is going to be a short introduction, by the way. I don't have a full message. We'll, we'll be done pretty quick because I want to, I know some of you just need a nap right now. Right? And I don't want to be the one to put you to sleep, um, and I want to honor our kids. Um, and we're going to do some fun things at the end of this service. Um, but we're going to, this will be a short introduction. Then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some of the ways and some tools that you can use to better hear the voice, voice of God, and not just hear it, but actually respond to it. So calibrate. Let me read you a few short Bible passages uh, that, that are right in line with this. Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Your what? Your word. Whose word is that? God's word. God's word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You ever been hiking in the dark? That light that shines on that path, man, that is the most valuable thing you possess at that moment. Because when it's dark out there, it's dark. But God's word becomes a light and a lamp for our, our, our feet and a light for our path. Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Your word. Luke eleven twenty seven through 28 says this, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman called out, blessed is the mother who gave birth and nursed you. And he replied, blessed rather, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Those who hear the word of God 
and obey it. So it's not enough just to hear it. You actually have to do what it says, right? Super important. By the way, Jesus said that, and who knows that what Jesus says is things, are things that we should pay attention to, right? Hello? Okay, good. Just checking. Just checking. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered this when he's being tempted by Satan. He answers him with the word of God. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Church, young people, older people, we live on the word of God. Our life is found in the word of God. So we need to remove the distractions. We need to calibrate our hearts and minds so we hear accurately. Here's, here's what calibrate means. We'll have the, um, the definition. Calibrate, to adjust precisely for a particular function. Love that. To adjust precisely for a particular function. The, the graphic we have for this series, we can put that next slide up. Who knows what that is? It's a tuning fork, right? All the musicians in the room go, I don't know what that is. A tuning fork. And, and basically, it's a metal instrument that's, that's precisely machined so that when you tap it, it, it emits or generates a note or a tone in a certain frequency or in a certain, uh, a certain note. And so, it, it, so musicians will use a tuning fork to tune their instrument. And the, the way they do that is they'll have their instrument and they have the tuning fork and they, they tap it and it makes that note and then they adjust the instrument to the sound that's coming from the tuning fork. And once the instrument is adjusted to the, tune, or, or to the, the tuning fork, they'll be able to play music that's in tune. You ever heard music played out of tune? Right? Not so much fun, is it? Right? We're not, like, we're not making the top 40 with, uh, with music that's played out of tune. We all like music that is in tune. And so this instrument is used to calibrate the instrument. The tuning fork is used to calibrate the instrument, to get it exactly where it needs to be, to adjust it precisely so it can perform a particular function. Here, here's my whole uh, idea, the, the, the thought behind this, this series. God has designed you for a particular function. The youngest to the oldest in this room, God has a call on your life. There's a particular function that he's called you to, but what ends up happening is we get out of tune. The distractions of this life, the things that are happening around us, the things that are maybe happening in us, the things that happened last year, the things that happened in other people's lives become a distraction and they, they get us out of tune. And, and we lose that calibration and that ability to hear and do the voice of God. And as we already established, hearing and doing the voice of God is really important, right? And so we have to calibrate our lives. Now, we don't have a tuning fork. We have the Word of God. We have the Word of God. I want to I wrap up this, the part of this, uh, this message this morning with a story. It's a story that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. The story of a boy named Samuel. I'm going to read this passage. Um, the words will be up on the screen, and then we're going to talk about Samuel for just a few minutes. 
So 1 Samuel 3, starting in verse 1, says this, The boy, Samuel, ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered. Samuel answered. Oh, hey. Hey, here's Samuel. What's up, dude? Right on. Right on. Hey, guys, this is, uh, this is my buddy Samuel. Hi, Samuel. How's it going? So, so if you don't know, this is actually Samuel. And, and I was preparing for this message, and I was reading this passage of Scripture, and I realized, wait a minute, Samuel, the boy Samuel who ministered before the Lord, uh, was probably about Samuel's age. And I was like, hey, we got to bring Samuel up because this is a perfect illustration. So imagine this young man, this boy, who lived in the tabernacle. In fact, his mom's name was not Jamie. His mom's name was Hannah. And what happened with Samuel is that Hannah wasn't able to have a baby, and she would go up to the, the tabernacle every year to pray and cry out to God because she wanted a baby. And one day, Eli, the priest, saw her, and, and he actually corrected her, and he, he thought she was just doing some bad things, and she was talking, but no words were coming out of her mouth. And adults, you can kind of figure out what, what the, the assumptions he made about where she was at. Um, and she said, no, no, you don't understand. I have this anguish in my heart. I want a baby, and I haven't been able to have a baby. And so Eli said, you know what? God's going to answer your prayer. And she became pregnant, and she said, you know what? I'm going to dedicate this baby to the Lord. And when, when Samuel was born, when he was three years old, Hannah took him back to the tabernacle, and he lived at the tabernacle with Eli the priest. So, Samuel, how old are you? He's eight years old, and a young, young, strapping young lad you are. You going to play football tomorrow? Yeah. yeah, you are. I know it. Don't hurt me, okay? All right, good. So you're eight years old. So imagine five years ago, if he was the Samuel of the Old Testament, Hannah would have brought him to the temple, to that, the tabernacle, and left him there and said, you're going to live here, and you're going to serve the Lord. Dude, you're awesome. Can we tell Samuel thank you? We're gonna, I, I told him I'm not going to have him stand up here the whole time. But as we continue to read this story, kids, where are the kids? All right, check it out. So the Samuel we're reading about in the Bible, eight years old, just like this guy. All right, give it up for Samuel. Dude, you're awesome. I'm going to back up a little bit. Here, here's what the Bible says. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. The word of the Lord was rare. Now, we just read about the fact that the word of, of God is life and that the word of the Lord brings direction. And that's the thing that we're supposed to obey. Now, here's the problem. If the word of the Lord was rare, how do you think the people were doing? Not so good. In fact, Eli was the priest, the one leading the nation, wasn't doing well. And his sons were a mess. 
an absolute mess. There were not many visions. Here's what I love about this story is that God, in a time where his word was rare, and I, and I believe what that really means is people just weren't listening. They just weren't listening. Kids, you ever not listen to your parents? Right? Come on. Yeah, all of us have been there. Parents? We'll just leave it at that. Um, they just weren't listening, and so people weren't getting the direction that they needed from the Lord. And God chose to reveal himself and speak to an eight-year-old. How cool is that? An eight-year-old. Out of all of the people in Israel, he comes to an eight-year-old kid, and he says, Samuel. Now, Samuel's a little confused because he's eight years old, and he's never heard the voice of God, right? And so the story goes on. Samuel says, here I am, but he doesn't say it to God. He runs to Eli, the priest, and he says, here I am. You called me, right? Just like Samuel came running down the aisle. Here I am. No, I didn't, I didn't call you, Eli says. I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and, and, and went to Eli and said, here I am. You call me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Now at this point, if you're a parent, you're a little frustrated. Am I right? Because you just woke me up three times. And we were up late last night because it was New Year's. Right? And, Eli, and Samuel's probably frustrated like, you keep calling me and then saying you didn't. Why are you messing with me? Thankfully, though, Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. And so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak. For your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I love that. I'm going to speak something to you that when people hear it, their ears are going to tingle. What does that mean? I read that and I'm like, what, what is God trying to say? Why tingle? You, you ever heard good news? You ever been given a promise about something that was going to happen and, and your ears just kind of perk up a little bit and you get excited and you kind of get that tingling feeling like, oh, this is going to be awesome, right? Right? Hello? Right? God was going to share things with the people of Israel that would make their ears tingle. See, because the God of Israel had amazing plans and amazing promises for them, things that he wanted to bless them with, but he was just waiting for someone who would listen to him, who would calibrate his heart and say, Lord, I want to hear from you. Jer uh, Samuel, rather, would go on and he would lead the nation of Israel and he would be the one who would hear from God on behalf of the kings and the leaders. He's the one who anointed Saul. He's the one who anointed David. And he was a mighty man of God because he heard the voice of God and obeyed the voice of God. Church, I believe God wants to speak his word to you. 
I believe that he wants to share and reveal his heart, his word to you for 2017. And so my challenge is this, before you write any resolutions or set any goals, that we would stop and say, God, what do you want? What do you want to speak to me? What is your word for my life this year? What is your word for my family this year? And here's what I know, that if we will take the time to listen, that when he speaks, our ears will tingle. I love that. I want my ears to tingle with the promises of God, to hear the things that he wants to bless our homes with, to bless this church with, but we have to calibrate our hearts. We're going to shift into a different part of our service. It is the first Sunday of the month and the first Sunday of the year, and it's appropriate for us to start the year with communion. And so we have communion tables set at the front and the back, but we're not going to, we're going to do this a little different today because before we do that, I actually have a a card and some some of the guys are going to pass these out. We're going to pass these to everyone. It's a little card, a little blank card. It says calibrate at the top and it just says, speak, your servant is listening. Guys, go ahead. We can pass those out right now. We're going to pass those around and here's what I'd like us to do. Um, We're going to pray in a minute and uh, I'm going to pray for the the. For communion. I'm going to talk us through communion, but we're going to take about 10 minutes, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do, either by yourself or, or with, with a friend or with your family. If you're here with your family this morning, parents with your kids, if, you, if your kids aren't sitting with you, would you gather your kids to, to where you're at? And would you take a few minutes, and would you just quiet your heart before the Lord? And, and what this card is, is an opportunity for you to start writing down the word that God would speak to you for 2017. Now, here's the thing. You don't have to fill it out completely. Bring this back with you next week and over the next few weeks. Take it, have it in your Bible or in your journal when you're doing your devotions and start writing down. For many of you, this card will not be enough. You'll need more space and that's totally okay. This is just kind of the starter. It kind of gets the ball rolling. Kids, What is God speaking to you? Maybe what are some things that that God's been putting on your heart? What are some things that that God has been speaking to you about this next year that you want to see him do in your family? How about this? Who are some family members that don't know Jesus? That you would say, you know what? Lord, I want to to see that person come to know the Lord, to come to know you. Maybe maybe adults, maybe it's uh, career choices that you have to make. Schooling options and, and, and decisions that you have to make. But before we set those goals to say, Lord, what is it you want for me? So we're going to take a few minutes to do that. There'll be some music playing. And then as soon as you're done, when you feel like, you know, I'm done writing, that right on the heels of that, I'm going to invite you to come to one of these tables. There's the bread and there's the cup that you can receive, that you can take back to your seat. And then would you take communion together uh, with with some friends around you, with your family? Take a few minutes. We're not going to rush this time. It's a little different to the way we usually do things, but that's okay, right? That's okay. We want to create space this morning where you don't hear from Pastor Barry. I want you to hear from the Lord, and I want you to start writing those things down. Why, Why communion? Why is this important? Well, Jesus, in the upper room, before he went to the cross, he broke bread and drank from a cup with the disciples. 
And he talked about the bread, which isn't just bread. It symbolizes his body, which was broken and beaten for us. Jesus talked about the fact that his body, the things that he would go through on our behalf, would actually secure healing for us and wholeness for us. That by his body being crucified and then raising again to life, that we could have wholeness in every part of our lives. He talked about the cup, so important, the blood that would be shed. Why? Because in the Old Testament, they used to make sacrifices at the tabernacle, in fact, where Samuel worked. They would bring animals to sacrifice because the shedding of blood brought forgiveness of sin. But when Jesus shed his blood for us, the Bible says that he forgave our sins once and for all for everyone who would believe. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And it's appropriate for us to start a new year with communion, to remember what Jesus has done. Because here's the reality. Without this, we cannot hear the voice of God. Without this, without the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf, there is no revelation, there is no word. And so it's appropriate, appropriate for us to celebrate. So we're going to play some music. I'm going to pray in a second. Take some time. Fill out your card. Feel free even to do this. If there's nothing to write right now, that's okay. That's okay. Don't just make something up. But as the Lord would start impressing on your heart, start writing that card out and filling that card out, trusting that he will speak to you. So Father, this morning, I'm thankful that we can come to this place as your, as your bride, as your church, to start the new year in a place where we fellowship with one, with one another. Lord, we broke bread today, we broke pancakes, and it was good. It was just good to sit in fellowship today. Lord, we're going to break bread here in a minute with communion to honor your death and your resurrection and to say thank you for what you've done. Jesus, you gave thanks when you broke bread. Father, we give thanks to you for everything you did in 2016, but we also give you thanks for everything you're going to do in 2017. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed on our behalf, that we could have forgiveness of sin, that we could be free to worship you and praise you, to hear your voice. And so as a family, Lord, we come to you this morning. Speak to us. I would declare over our church, speak, for your servants are listening. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Take some.